Hello and welcome to this week's Why Football podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Eches Adokru. This week we'll be talking all about why there are no active gay Premier League footballers. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore for our latest content. Please also follow and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and YouTube for immediate access to future episodes. How are you, Eches? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, on holiday today, I'm going to Bogdan Regis. Oh, lovely. Oh, fantastic part of the UK. Um, so yeah, I'll be going there for a few days uh, with my house, which will be good. And then uh, having <laughs> a good time down there. How are you doing? Tropical getaway there in the middle of December. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not bad. Uh, Sunderland have qualified for the round of 16 of the Papa John's Trophy. The only reason I mention that is because I find the name change amusing and the trophy a little bit irrelevant. So, but we're in the round of 16. We got to the final a few seasons back uh, and got beat by Portsmouth. That Port must beat. be the record time that you've mentioned Sunderland on this pod. <laughs> That's got oh, really, right? You know, it goes, go increment- it goes up incrementally. So, oh, what do you, <laughs> you mean? <laughs> one, I think it's one minute, 15 seconds in. There's nothing else to talk about, though. It's yeah. lockdown. <laughs> you need some like, of the I'm, I'm in Sunderland as well, so it's in tier three. So there's literally nothing to talk about. <laughs> it's my only hobby at the minute. I think and, what we uh, should do is we should open up the pod and just talk about Sunderland first. And then we should actually stop the pod after that. I think we should do an episode of me talking about Sunderland just to get out of my system. It's like a separate episode. <laughs> a splinter Four, episode. Five hours and 15 minutes of drawing and discussing <laughs> So anyway, let's get, let's get cracking our chairs. So why this topic? Yeah, so between the 4th and 13th of December, you know, we've seen the latest Rainbow Laces campaign, which has been launched by the Stonewall Charity to support all LGBT people in football and beyond. So those two metric days have included uh, Rainbow Laces, you know, the handshakes, the boards, substitute boards, as well as the LED perimeter around the stadiums you know there's the rainbow armbands for captains and the rainbow laces and the pin badges for everyone to show their support and that's fantastic and you know it continues a strong connection between the premier league and the stonewall charity uh, stonewall itself is a lgbt charity which was founded back in 1989 but you know the campaign itself isn't particularly new to football or sport in general uh, but one thing that the Premier League lacks compared to maybe the women's game or other sports, um, we've got Nigel Owens in, as in, in rugby as a referee, is an actual openly gay player or, you know, member of football in general. And I kind of wanted to do a podcast on that subject because I find it really interesting that in 2020 we don't have an actively gay player. And I wanted to look into why that was and what sport can do to change that. Yeah, as you say, the Premier League's backed this for a number of years, but we haven't actually had a an openly gay football in the Premier League, to my knowledge, um, or even in the football league system. And so it's almost like an issue that the, the league system or the Premier League is embraced, but hasn't actually had an active chance to do much about, aside from issues we'll go on to touch on, such as spectator, homophobia, things like that, which are an issue in the game um, currently and needs to be addressed. But, you know, it's, it's an issue that is kind of dormant at the minute for in terms of the professional footballers and professional clubs and we also had the image of Jamie Vardy crashing through the corner flag um, which had an LGBT flag on the top I mean I, I saw some stuff on Twitter I don't think this was intentional at all <laughs> at all um, but it, just the image was so it couldn't have been a worse player in terms of stereotype to be going through a corner flag that in, included 
um, anti-homophobia messaging basically on the top. And I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting the debate online. Um, and I'd just like to say, I don't think that was uh, intentional from Jamie Vardy. Um, although, does he need to be crushing through the post? Uh, the corner flag, sorry. Probably not. <laughs> no, I think, you know, players have done that thousands of times and haven't managed to crack the corner flag. It's unfortunate that Jamie Vardy did the, you know, on, that, <laughs> on that specific weekend. It's quite mad because I've just never seen it happen before. No, have um, I. And for it to happen then... Uh... <laughs> I think it was the only game, it was a Monday evening, the only game played and uh, obviously they had the flag on and it's just very unfortunate timing, I think. Anyway. I mean, I like to think, I hope it wasn't intentional. I don't think it was. No, I don't, I don't think, think it was, was as well, but you know, only Jamie Vardy knows, but I, I highly doubt it. So tell me a bit about the history of homosexuality in football. As I mentioned before, you know, there haven't been many cases of professional or even semi-pro footballers in England coming out. I think uh, one of the more high-profile cases is Justin Fashionu, who's yeah. the brother of uh, ex-Millwall player John Fashionu. You know, Justin started his career at Norwich and made a great start, you know, earning England under-21 opportunities and was, you know, pretty good record. He got 40 in 103 games before earning a big money move to Notts Forest, becoming England's first £1 million mm-hmm. player to also be uh, black, which is fantastic for him and a great achievement. But, you know, that's where it began to unravel for him because, you know, at Nottingham Forest, he wasn't a huge success because he had a strained relationship with manager Brian Clough. Brian Clough was rumoured to be disturbed by fashionist sexuality and visiting of gay bars and was quoted in his autobiography saying, where do you go if you want a loaf of bread, I asked him. A baker's, I suppose. Where do you go if you want a leg of lamb? A butcher's. So why do you keep going to that bloody puffs club then? Oh, God. Fashionu was banned from training with the first team as a result. Uh, and, you know, that is that in itself to be an autobiography from a guy revered in the game and someone seen as so influential is actually mad. And, you know, you could tell straight away if it's a young player for a big move to a new area. He, he was from Norwich, so going to Knotts would be a change of scenery for him. To be banned for, you know, being who he is is actually quite, you know, sad. I don't know when he allegedly said that at what time time has came on a bit but it's just incredible that was that it happened to be was as you said uh printed in a in a autobiography um i imagine not too long ago yeah no, no you're not wrong so john justin fashion went on to have multiple moves with varying degrees of success before coming out publicly in 1990 Fashionu went on to state that while his teammates are warm to him, they often joked about his sexuality in a malicious way, and he was constantly abused by fans. This also coupled with his brother John going public and saying Justin was a gay outcast. You know, that, that definitely wouldn't have helped Justin. No. You know, his brother, the two boys are put into foster care and were adopted. So, you know, to have your brother, someone I assume he was once very close to, or maybe was yeah. close to at the time, to come up publicly and say that wouldn't have helped as well. And it's beginning to set the scene for a player that's just trying to be himself and not really being accepted at club level or at home. Justin went on to say that he wasn't prepared for the backlash he received in coming out and that he was offered a lot of money to remain in the closet. He said that his suffer his career suffered massively as a result. And he was out, he was without a club, despite being fully fit. So, you know, there's a bit of prejudice there around maybe sexuality in clubs not wanting to take him on. Unfortunately, Justin Fashion, who committed suicide after fleeing the US, he believed due to his sexuality, he wouldn't be given a fair trial 
and realised that he thought he had already been presumed guilty. He said he didn't want to give any more embarrassment to his friends or family. Yeah, it's a harrowing story. It's a harrowing story. I didn't think it was, didn't realize it was that extensive. Um, and so high profile as well in terms of how good he was as a player. I think this is probably lost in that story. I think many people are aware of that story of John, uh, John Fashionoon, his involvement with Wimbledon, and then obviously his brother and his condemnation of his brother and the ultimate suicide. Um, but the fact that he came out, that story happened. And we, I think since then, to my knowledge, we haven't had another high profile. Um, another high-profile player come out as being um, gay. It, perhaps that's why. Perhaps the experiences of um, Justin Fashion have just struck fear into the into the into the hearts and minds of so many uh, people or so many players that had considered coming out. Yeah, I think football has a really English football has a really bad way of forgetting bad things that have happened. So this is one of those stories that you don't really hear a great deal about when actually when you research into it is extremely sad. And I think you're right, you know, this would stick in the minds of a lot of, you know, potentially gay or gay footballers out there because it ended with someone unfortunately losing their life just trying to be who they are, which is which is a shame. No, it's an absolute uh, travesty, really. Um, so, Eches, what are the other examples of footballers coming out uh, to have played in England? Well, there's probably the most high-profile one is Thomas Hitzelsberger, a.k.a. The Hammer. He represented Aston Villa, Stuttgart, Lazio, West Ham, Wolfsburg and Everton. Uh, he actually came out after retiring, stating that he was advised not to come out whilst playing due to backlash. He's now the sports director at Stuttgart, which you know very well from your football manager days. Um, <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. I won't so, go into that. I've already bored everyone about Sullivan, so... Thank you, Jerome. You're too kind. Um <laughs> Former Leeds United player Robbie Rogers retired after coming out 25, stating he retired due to uh, avoiding the pressure and scrutiny from the press and fans, who he referred to as the circus. Rogers said, quoting, are people coming to see me because you're gay? Would I want to do interviews every day where people are asking, so you're taking showers with guys? How's that? That's uh, That would happen in football as well. Yeah. Uh, it's a serious game, but there's so much maturity as, as well alongside that. Uh, I imagine the pressure from the press as well. I mean, to be an openly gay, gay footballer would receive unwanted attention enough, never mind being the first one to come out and it would overshadow your career, wouldn't it? I mean, we've talked about this in a similar regard, I think, previous on previous podcasts in regards to the race argument. So you've got someone who's openly uh, anti-racist or is against the system in some way, almost a dissident or a rebel. Um, and, you know, football, f- football clubs and sponsors don't want that within them in a sense and that, that would kind of become the same thing with arguably the first gay football I mean they wouldn't become a, a rebel but I think it just the, the attention that would surround it would you know affect that person's career and so it doesn't surprise me that someone like Robbie Rogers at that age 25 I mean that is when a player starts to get into his prime um, and yeah. he's felt that you know because of the media because of the, the toxicity in the game He's been unable to come out, unable to continue his career, and he could have played for another 10 years. I mean, it is really sad. Yeah, it is very sad indeed. Um, but as I said, you know, the media, the fans, the the way football is, it just makes it such a difficult place to really review sexuality and, and that kind of has mm. to change. Uh, there are other examples of um, 
players trying to come out over the years. Uh, we had an instance in 2015 where a former England international and another Premier League player were rumoured to be considering coming out publicly. They had told friends and family and were in talks to the FA, but in the end, they didn't feel the time was right and mm. opted not to come out. Uh, the PFA chief executive, Gordon Taylor, told a paper, they have their confidentiality, which must be respected until they choose otherwise. Equality is at the forefront of our agenda. As their union, we will expect they are treated with respect they deserve for the decision to come out. We hope the football community, including the media and the fans, can set an example that others will follow. The game should be ready now to accept this. Mm. Which is obviously a fantastic set of words, yeah. but whether people will follow it or not mm. is, is another, you know, another instance. We also had the huge saga with the gay football Twitter account, uh, which was an unconfirmed Twitter account of a championship player who was alleged to have told his club and family he was gay. Uh, and was going to reveal who he was to the public via Twitter. Uh, there was a lot of hype built around his profile, and you know there are loads of tweets and comments of him saying he's going to release it on X number of days. And in the end, he said he wasn't strong enough and opted not to come out. Uh, it's, it's you know alleged because you know it wasn't really confirmed if it was yeah. true or not. Um, some people said it wasn't. It was just done by you know people to get some hype, which is which would be very terrible if that's yeah. true. Um, but you know that that was one of the examples. We very recently had a Premier League player write an open letter discussing his fear of coming out to his club. He went on to say that he's gay. Even writing that down is a big step for him. Only his family and a select group of friends are aware of his sexuality. He doesn't feel ready to share it with his team mm. or manager. He went on to add that he's afraid to have a long-term partner due to the trust he needs to have in someone due yeah. to his job. But the homophobic chance and prejudice in football clearly highlights that now is not the time to come out. I think one thing I wanted to highlight is this isn't just a problem in English football. Yeah. You know, you could sit here and think, oh, you know, maybe in the Nordic countries, it's it's much easier or maybe in Germany, it's much easier. But the problem, you know, is across Europe that there's a dearth of gay footballers in general. There's a handful of ex-American pros, an Australian player, Swedish player, but there's, you know, there aren't significant number of gay players in the game in general, full stop, rather than just a particular country. Absolutely, no. Um, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned uh, homophobic chanting, I think, because I just find it uh, crazy uh, that, you know, chanting exists in that form when, I mean, we, and they shouldn't exist anywhere, but there aren't actually any openly gay footballers. You've already got chanting and you've already got homophobia that exists in the game, even though there isn't any openly gay footballers on the pitch. There's not even a target there, but it still exists. And I think that shows how much of a problem that will then be or could then be, um, should there actually be openly gay footballers. And what I found interesting was uh, Hector Bellerin was actually on Sky Sports, uh, on a Sky Sports piece last week along with members of the Gay Goonies Society. Um, and he was talking about how he had been a target of homophobic abuse. I mean, despite the fact that he's a heterosexual man, openly a heterosexual man. Um, and that was because of the way he looks, the way he dresses, he's very interested in fashion. Um, he doesn't, you say, look like your typical, or what is perceived or expected to be your typical kind of straight and narrow footballer. He kind of is a bit more spoken about liberal values or social um, values as well. So he doesn't kind of, he doesn't. He's not someone who's a rebel in any way, but he doesn't necessarily fit the straight and line. The like, almost like I don't want to stereotype of the Harry Kane kind of keep your mouth shut, look a certain way, do a certain thing, um, kind of I don't know, kind of image. And so I think he's been the target of that, uh, which is is a real shame. And 
the members of the Gear Gunners uh, Society that were on there spoke about how they had, had observed and experienced um, homophobic abuse whilst following Arsenal. Um, and one spoke of leaving the stands, uh, I think it was away at Chelsea. Um, and I think he spoke of missing an Aubameyang goal, I can't remember which game he was referring to. Um, and he missed that goal because he asked fans to stop chanting uh, homophobic chant. I don't know what chant that was. It wasn't aimed at him. It was aimed at it was aimed at the opposition. But they didn't do so. They said they'd already always chanted that. So why should they stop? Which is, it's just kind of a um, kind of epitomizes the problem um, of issues like this in football. This kind of this is the norm. This is the this is what we've always done. So we can't stop and we won't stop. And so he left the um, the stands, went into the um, into the bar area, watched the <laughs> watched the goal, watched the rest of the game on TV, and then that's really sad. So, Etches, why haven't players come out? I think it's a question with multiple answers. Um, I think one of them, which you touched on earlier, is the culture at football stadiums. You know, you and I have been to various grounds over the years and the chance and abuse held at players is intense, unforgivable and nasty at times. I kind of feel like you can't help if you're black, you can't help if you're Asian, you can't help if you're tall, you're short, if you don't have a beard, if you do have a beard, if you have big ears, if you don't have big ears. Your sexuality is something which you can't tell just by looking yeah, at someone. Agreed. And I think the way the game is at the moment, players are getting so much abuse, so intense online and in games that for a player to then think, oh, I have to add my sexuality onto this as well. Yeah. So if you're, if you have, maybe you have slightly larger ears and you missed a penalty, those are two sets of types of abuse that you could potentially get. You know, your personal family could also be getting abused, depending on if away fans know that. To throw in the fact that you also might be gay, I think is extremely difficult footballers to deal with because the level of abuse to get at the moment is is too much from home and away fans. Um, you know, I think more needs to be done to protect footballers from abuse generally, yep. and that will hopefully provide a, a better environment for players to come out in. I think another one is acceptance from teammates and coaches. I believe that, you know, in 2020, there's more acceptance from from people, not just you know, the players, but coaches as well. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I just think it's one of those things where coaches need to be more welcoming, uh, and I think they will be. And, yeah, it's, it's a tough one because there are some old school coaches from different eras and different times, people from different backgrounds, different cultures. But I do believe that in 2020, it's a more positive yeah. place. Richarlison previously said that he'd be welcoming. Uh, Jordan Henderson has said the same thing. He also sent a brilliant message to a gay fan who quit playing due to his sexuality, which is nice to see. Uh, but then you're marred with comments like what Clough said before even though that was a long time ago. And in more recent times, Felipe Scolari said in the lead up to 2002 World Cup, if I found out that one of my players was gay, I would throw him off the team. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, well, I'd like to actually see that tested if it was there, you know, R9, Ronaldo, uh, Rivaldo, and, you know, the rest of the... <laughs> I'd like to see if that was actually t would actually be tested. But, yeah. I think the worry is just that, you know, Scolari went on to manage Portugal and Chelsea and is still managing today. So has he changed his views? Mm. You know, only only Scolari knows, and you'd hope so, in, in the changing times, but that would affect the player's thought process. You know, if your coach isn't going to accept who you are because of his beliefs, whether they're very strong Christian views or whatever, whatever views they may be, and that's going to wear on your mind because that can impact your career. Uh, a more recent example of a player 
was when Antonio Cassano at Euro 2012 hoped that there were no gay players in the Italian squad. He later apologised. Such you know, an irrelevant comment. It, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's crazy. And, and the thing is, there's one thing thinking is the coach because the coach, you know, impacts whether you play or not. But then to have it from teammates, you know, people that are, you know, close to age than in you. You know, with, with someone like Scolari, you could argue, okay, he's older, yeah. different generation, they're stuck in the past. But when you're hearing your peers, someone like Antonio Cassani, you think, well, there's, there's no hope because if it's coming from management as well as the playing staff, then what hope do I really have? Yeah, you touched on an absolutely massive point, I think, earlier on there um, about more being done to or needs to be done to protect footballers from abuse generally. I mean, there's there's been efforts over the years to do so in grounds, which is very difficult. It's... But online is where it is, is more kind of rampant. And we've seen that with racial abuse over, over the last couple of years. It seems to have ramped up. It seems to be that there seems to be no regulation there. Like, it seems like you can create an account on Twitter. I know there's a little bit more being done recently, but the, you can create, a, I could create an account on Twitter this morning if I want to. And I could probably go into someone's DMs if they're open and abuse them in any way, shape or form I like. And the chances are I'd probably get away with it. <laughs> that's not what I'm going to be doing it's on my Friday morning uh, this morning um, but if I wanted to I probably could and that's it's you, you, you saw the things with, with Ian Wright I think it was a, a teenage boy um, that Wright had kind of ousted on Twitter and, and said you know I've had enough this is a this is a, this is a kid this is a child that is um, on social media and is armed with these racist comments that he probably doesn't understand but has, has learned them somewhere within his bubble his social circles or his family home and uh, he's he's went on Twitter and he's just decided to cause harm in that way and for whatever reason he doesn't know and he got a bit of a backlash for ousting this player oh sorry this this teenager because he's so young and but you know there it has to be done because you know if he's getting consistent messaging like that and people like Twitter and organisations like Twitter aren't doing anything about it um, then it's it's not something you should stand to accept. Um, and it would be the same. I mean, you imagine if you had openly gay footballers. I mean, it, it just begs belief the lot of abuse you would get from just ignorant fans. No, I completely agree. Um, it's just whether or not social media platforms care enough and whether the FA truly care to put deterrence in place to stop fans from, from doing the things like that to harm players' mm. well-being uh, mentally or even physically. Um uh, so I completely agree with that. I think the last kind of point on, on that one and why they haven't come out is the intense media pressure who almost glorify the news. So, you know, if the first player to come out as gay while playing will have intense, yeah. like extremely intense media pressure, just because they're the first one and because, you know, papers like the Daily Star and, you know, the Sun will go on and on and on about it when really it shouldn't matter at all. A good example is the Secret Gay Football Twitter account, which I mentioned earlier. There's so much speculation. Papers are talking about it. Twitter was talking about it. And when you think about it, take a step back. Why? You know, the the account itself was partly to blame for that. But it's essentially someone just revealing the sexuality and that shouldn't really matter at all. But because of the way football is and because no one's done it, you know, that intense media pressure would, would weigh on a player's yeah. mind. If you're the 15th player to do it, being there won't care anymore, but I think for that first player, it'll be uh, quite difficult. And you know, I'm not surprised that players have opted not to do it because it's a lot for someone to take on. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think as well. I think what could be a shining light actually in this in this kind of field for the men's game is the fact that the women's game 
it's got obviously a lot of um, open league uh, um, footballers within it, and it's it's not a problem. It's it's there's a, there's obviously a difference in scale there, and it, it it is a factor I think. But then, you know, I think the more the female game grows, and and it is growing quite quite rapidly. And also, these 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 clubs are or these players are aligned with existing football clubs. Not these women's clubs, say in the elite leagues, aren't separate clubs. They're you know they're Manchester United, they're Liverpool. They are um, you know part of these organisations. And so, as you know, hopefully the, the the women's game becomes bigger and bigger. This might open up, perhaps, and it might be naive for me to say this, but perhaps it will open up opportunities for you know gay counterparts in the men men's game. To actually feel they can come forward um, as perhaps because if women become stars, if you have more women stars um, in football generally, and some of them are gay, that might make things easier. It might be naive to suggest that, but I think that's a shining light at the very least. Some hope I think that can come hopefully in the future. Yeah, I think the problem is the stereotyping around being gay. It's always seen as something more feminine oh, than yeah. football as this macho football is a macho game which doesn't include that when it's just a wrong stereotype to begin with and therefore I think in the women's game who are obviously feminine because they're female it's it, it's slightly different and I think that's the prejudice with and stereotype which needs to you know be eradicated because that's part of the problem. You know, it's like it's almost as if it, yo you can't be gay and be a footballer because you know gay people aren't manly enough yeah. and that's completely mm-hmm. false uh, and that's kind of something which needs to change and only can change if we have more you know gay people come out and prove that that's not the case it's to kind of to wrap things up uh Dron, i wanted to kind of discuss uh as to whether we'll see an active gay premier league player soon i kind of feel football in general isn't a progressive sport and it's stuck in the past anything in terms of race gender sexuality you know, we don't have a female ref. We have that one female linesman that seems to get stick all yeah. the time. It gets stick quite a lot of the time. Uh, we have issues with race uh, in terms of the lack of black managers or lack of black members of the FA. And the same thing comes to sexuality as well. Uh, we, you know, it, it, it's just not really a sport which is looking to really move with the times. And how do you kind of change that? I mean, Amal Fashionu, who set up the Justin Fashionu Foundation, says she knew of seven gay Premier League players, but, you know, obviously they didn't want to come out and it highlights how hesitant Mm. players are into revealing their sexuality. I think the way to change that is, first of all, someone has to come out to become an idol for other gay players. You know, that's a big, big task, a big, big burden. But I think once that player does that, I think they'll motivate a lot of players, not just in our game in England, but across Europe and the world. I also think, you know, the way our society is, it'd be, it, you know, it'd be a lot for that person to take on, but I believe it's possible. I think the more needs to be done from the FA. I think structurally football in this country is difficult. I think more needs to be done for if that player were to come out or steps need to be put in place so that fans can't get on this person's back. But that's also a big yeah. task. So the only way to do that is bigger fines, not just for sexuality, but for race and gender as well. Uh, more needs to be on social media platforms. But the problem with that is that's not the Premier League's problem. You know, Twitter, the Premier League don't control Twitter. The Premier League don't control Facebook. And to get them involved in that is a whole nother kettle of fish, which I think is quite difficult to achieve. 
Um, but I think if that is done, if that is possible, um, you know, whether more is done to tackle fans' abuse and clubs are supportive, which I believe they will be, and on, on a line abuse reduces, then I think, you know, it is possible for there to be a gay Premier League player soon. And more and more and more people outside of football in the general society in the world are feeling comfortable to do so. I believe it's only a matter of time until major sports follow suit. Yeah, no, agreed. I think as well, touching on that on that point from the Premier League and the FA, I think they need to be supportive and almost proactive in terms of their messaging, which perhaps they haven't done with race in terms of if they're aware that there is a footballer or a handful of footballers that are planning on coming out, there needs to be messaging and, uh, sorry, just messaging that needs to go out to the community as a whole and to the fan bases as basically a showing, a showing of solidarity prior to this happening, just trying to get that message out there that we are inclusive sport. But I think more importantly, potentially to how this may happen is, or this could happen, is also organisations like the Premier League showing support in terms on a commercial basis as well. Because if you think like, for example, the Premier League is a global brand and is shown across the world, it's shown in the Middle East, for example, where in some in some nations, not to stereotype in some nations, you do have um, sentiments against gay people, for example, that aren't positive. You know how will that affect the Premier League's brand in that country? And that will be a consideration for these organisations. And it shouldn't be, but it will be. Mm. And so, is the Premier League, for example, willing to the Premier League willing to risk its brand, its commercial revenue, uh, its growth? All right. Well, we'll wrap things up today. Chess, thank you very much um, for your research, research this week. Uh, it's very stimulating discussion um, on another really key issue in the game that's came to light with the Rainbow Laces uh, campaign that's been ongoing in the last couple of weeks. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Um, and yeah, don't forget to subscribe subscribe with us on all platforms. Um, and yeah, give us a follow on Twitter as well. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers.